Oscar Poker. Hi, Phil. Am I coming through okay? <laughs> yeah, nice to talk okay. to you. I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah, it has. Yeah. So, uh, Phil, can we start things off by uh, asking for, for a layman's um, um, explanation of why it is shocking the industry, uh, uh, people reeling with shock that, uh, uh, that the, the, the gray uh, is going to make, what, about 20? Why is that such a terrible shock? I mean, that's a pretty strong opening for a well-made commercial film that a lot of people want to see. I mean, obviously, three-day figures, weekend figures have been much higher. Why is it such a shot? Oh, no, I don't think it is. I think it's a great opening. Um, and especially, you have to keep in mind that this is coming from Open Road. It's not coming from one of the, you know, big six studios. So I think it's a, a huge accomplishment for, you know, what they're doing. Um, you know, I support the, the whole, you know, their whole business. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to see them get a number one debut with this. The, uh, they do, I mean, they, they, they obviously spent a lot of money on standard P&A uh, tactics, strategies that, uh, I mean, I saw the ads everywhere. I don't know what their TV buys were like because I don't watch that much commercial TV. But what's the big deal if a relative newcomer or someone who's not part of the club um, does the same thing that the club would have done? And makes the same amount of money that one people one or member of the club would have made. What's the big deal about that? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. No, you were saying it's yeah. it's it's noteworthy because Open Road, a, yeah. a dis- distribution company that is not part of the normal regular fraternity of distributors, the, the names that we hear and see all the time on on ads and everything. So it's something of an accomplishment or a, or. A, that's why it's uh, you know it's it's getting people's attention that a relatively new company or one that is not steeped in tradition has gotten a, a, a decent opening. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean it is. It is a big accomplishment because it says that you know there's there's still room. You don't have to be you know one of the big six uh, distributors yeah. to to open a movie, and I, I think that's really encouraging. Um, and you know th- this is definitely a success too because you have to look at. The, the market right now is flooded with, um, you know, male skewing movies. You have Red Tails, Underworld Awakening, Man on a Ledge, Contraband, Haywire. You know, all these movies are out now that are, are gunning for the same audience as The Grey. So for it to do $20 million is is really something strong, I think. Um, you know, and it will, I think it will hold up well in the weeks to come. I mean, the word of mouth isn't, you know, overwhelmingly positive, but, you know, the, it, it certainly has its fans. Um, and... You, know, you think there's anybody in the continental United States that has any genuine interest in seeing Red Tails, given the 
reputation of George Lucas and I mean, has that done moderately? I, I don't even know what the numbers are, actually. Yeah, it's 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 at 33.7 right now, which is... Well, I think there it's goes my theory. Obviously, yeah. a lot of people were buying it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's it's percentage drop. It was 45% from last weekend, which is, you know, decent. It's not, it's not really good, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. for a movie to drop yeah. like that. But yeah, people are interested in it. And, you know, it's... It's good to see something like that with you know a, a predominantly African American cast, um, you know, find an audience. It's it's very you know reassuring. I think absolutely. Your... Thank God. <laughs> so yeah. Thank God. There's it's something. Not, did, did you and your daughter go see uh, The Gray together? No, God, no. No, I want to see it though. Actually, the the buzz has got me interested in in seeing it. Um, but no, it's not like something we'd rush out and see. Um, Do you think um, so? This is strictly a. I mean, I'm I'm being a little sarcastic here. Uh, it's obviously a male skewing movie, I guess. But are, Phil, do you know whether much younger, say, 25 and under males are going to this thing, or there's more of an older guy thing? Uh, they Open Road hasn't put out the, the exit polling stuff, uh-huh. yet, so I haven't I haven't seen anything in terms of okay. that. But um, just I mean, you know, just speaking from experience, and you know, anything with Liam Neeson in it tends to, to skew older. Um, he's got that, you know, really strong base of 35 and up moviegoers who are going to come out to, to see what he does. And, um, you know, he's, he's kind of reinvented himself. It's, it's interesting to watch mm-hmm. this. I mean, he's, he's almost 60 years old and he's turned himself into an action star. <laughs> Is that funny? Um, you know, it's, it's unprecedented. It's so. like it started with uh, Taken, right? Yeah, yeah, Taken and then Unknown and then now this. And then they have Taken 2 coming out. So, yeah, he's, you know... I, I see him, he's, you know, I, I can see him eventually then transitioning into the kind of, you know, grouchy old guy who still can kick your ass roles that Clint Eastwood, you know, plays. I, I see him eventually fitting into that mold mm. as well. So it's it's good. It's good to see somebody at that point in their career be able to, you know, completely reinvent themselves. Okay. And become and become known as Liam Paycheck Neeson. No, really? You think so? I don't know. I don't know. He used to be uh, Liam Neeson. They used to mean something to me. Uh, he was a man of great soul. He was kind of the, the man with poetry and kind of a, that 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 uh, Irish romantic vibe that he had. Um, he just was a man of great uh, intrigue and sensitivity. It always seemed to me. And uh, in the wake of the tragic death of his of his wife and the uh, success of Tegan. He's just become a paycheck guy, which is look. I'm not going. I wouldn't walk away from it either. I would play these roles. And what are you going to do at his age anyway? You know, it's very unusual to become an action star at that age. It's totally cool with me. But he has sacrificed, or does not seem. Well, I should say the word "seem" is what I'm using here. It does not seem to be interested in in being the that kind of poetic, romantic uh, fellow that he was a man of some soul and real feeling and depth like the guy who played in husbands and wives uh in in 92 <laughs> which is like 20 years ago that kind of guy i really liked mm. i so yeah i, I thought yeah. he was funny in that but i still i don't think that he shut the door on it i mean it reminds me kind of of denzel washington who kind of won his oscar and then now is doing paycheck movies um but they're still okay. great they're great i mean i go see a denzel washington movie just because he's in it and after seeing Taken, which I enjoyed so much, which I wouldn't call a paycheck movie. I think that was a really good action movie. Uh, exciting, funny, interesting. I didn't, I didn't believe any of the action in that. It was, it was I don't too think you fast. were supposed it to. Was... It was campy in a way, you know? 
was wasn't it, Phil? When you say, I really, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it definitely had its, you know, tongue. You no, know, given the failure, streak, yeah. Given the failure of poor Haywire, uh, one of the great oh. action films, and given the, I mean, it's like it's really a, a, a tribute film. You you just made a, a sound, Sasha. Sorry, a, I'm so sorry. I know of... you loved Haywire. I and I liked parts of it. I thought she was really good fighter. Yeah, but too much talky talky. Too much. Too many like I'm going to make her have dramatic scenes, which didn't work. Were too slow. And all you wanted to do was see her fight. I had a couple of like frustrations with that because you know the one scene where she's i don't want to spoil anything but for people who haven't seen everybody hates it anyway it's going well away. i mean It'll like for hard. instance you put her in handcuffs in a cop car and she's a fighter let's say you put jackie chan in handcuffs you're just going to have jackie chan take those handcuffs off and stop fighting or are you going to see jackie chan fight with handcuffs on that was a bad what, choice and and to me it's like what, what happened what did she do she fight just with took the him off on? she just took him off and fought no, they didn't have any narrative um, influence at all there. I know that it sounds like, like oh, it's a Lex G or whatever. I don't, I don't like, remember oh, that for some reason. It's a snobby criticism. She was handcuffed, and she magically just took them well, off. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm saying if you have that actress who's really yes. amazing when she fights and when she runs, yes. and to not exploit some of those scenes to their fullest was a mistake. And, like, she gets out of them too quickly and easily. And... Um, that's the only thing you have in that movie. And you know how you can tell it's a bad movie? You know, uh, recast her as a man. And then you'll yeah. see how weak it is. Well, story. I was totally into it for the novelty of the uh, one. It did not push uh, action uh, sequences and action action choreography to the point that it's patently unbelievable. It kept it within the realm of believability. Well, I don't which know. seems Squeezing. to matter not to anyone anymore. <laughs> Squeezing really a guy to death with her thighs, that didn't push it to the... I mean, that was a great scene. It set you up to think that, oh, this is going to be great. She's really going to, you know, go for it. And we're going to see... I, some... I've, I've, I've come to the realization, and it's really one of the most depressing moments in my life as a, as a film lover, that more people are interested in just the dynamic of other action films and what has been done, what they enjoy, mm. what is cool, which is some hard-to-define nebulous notion of, of you know, they like uh, the choreography and editing, mm-hmm. you know, thrown together in such a way that it feels cool and looks cool. But, you know, nobody cares except me and maybe 17 other people on the entire planet what action films could and should be, which is that they should have some relation to reality to physics something that could actually happen in well, the world how about oh, asking for how about asking for good writing and good acting then if you're going to go there the only thing haywire offers up is those fight scenes that's it so if those fight scenes are no, going to be it offers a lot of cynical um uh you know um uh, older guys who realize what she is and they're kind of like playing oh with it her just so did it was like a fucking porno i'm so sorry to have to curse again but <laughs> it was like it was like watching was a porno movie with action scenes and said that's how bad the writing was and that's how bad the fucking story was it was like Wait. give me a break there's nothing here put a guy yep. in that role and you will see how weak that story is and when they go backwards and they hit a deer or something that's or... one great scene yeah if the whole yeah. movie had been like that great you know you um, do know that it was written by lem dobbs who is the writer of the um of um i believe kafka and also the limey this is this is not some z-grade uh you know uh, michael dudikoff uh, screenwriter this is well, lem they, dobbs. they can't all be winners they can't all be winners if you don't have good actors you cannot make a good movie 
You can't make a movie where that woman has to act if she cannot act. Look, it was obvious from the get-go that she's not a gifted actress, but well, I just, there you go. just turned off the uh, the expectation for that, and it's fine. I mean, Don't I, make I, her I was, act and make her fight the whole time. Great. But if you try to make her act, which they did, the movie will fall flat. People are, you know, too hip to that. You know, we see even the worst actors at least sort of know how to act. But if you don't know how to act at all, you have to be able to recognize. Soderbergh was just in love with her. He thought she could do no wrong, so he didn't even try to think that people might think she was bad. He just thought, great, great, she's great, she's great. But no, she's not great. She's, I mean, maybe she could be good. If it were me and I was a director, I'd want to use her. I'd want to say, oh, God, I have to have that girl in my movie because she is so dynamic on screen, and her fight scenes are incredible, and she has a presence. She just is unschooled. She doesn't know how to act yet. She doesn't know how to be in front of a camera. And that'll come with time. But it certainly wasn't here with this. It's like Rowdy Roddy Piper. You know, he even he's better. <laughs> he's, Ouch. Oh, man. Sorry. He's great That's in the great. thing. I mean, in, in They Live. I'm really getting, uh, I mean, I just, I, I feel like deeply uh, separated, cut off from culture. I don't understand what most, much of what you're saying here, because I, I know that what I, I respect you're, you're saying, put a guy in that role and see what, that's a good way of assessing the, the value of something. But I, I, I just so despise, um, you know, the action that is referenced in, in, in the realms of, of cyber as opposed to, you know, organic reality. And that's what we're crossing over into more and more. And I know that Soderbergh was, is, a, is a smart and very, very skilled director, and he was trying to keep things in reality. And I thought it was so delightful to be in a, in a film that didn't give a shit about, um, about you know, video games and cyber realities, which is what, let's face it, most under 40 people, that they believe in that more than actual reality. They, have, they, have they ever run through a parking lot with some guy trying to beat them up or have they ever been in anything no they sit in front of fucking computers all day right. like i do and they don't know anything and they just know what looks cool in their computers or right. in their games i and, get and that it's like- i get that but that's all hayware has to offer though and that's the irony of it it has those cool fight scenes which any woman knows are only sort of believable i mean she's kind of kicking the ass of fairly wimpy guys there um, she's not, you know, any like big muscly guy could pick her up with one hand and throw her across the room. <laughs> it's like, if you want to talk reality, women don't have the upper hand in physical combat. They just don't. They need to be like Lisbeth Salander. They need to have other tools at their disposal, which is what human beings always have had in nature over the stronger and more powerful and more dangerous predators is we have our brains and we have our ability to think ahead, one step ahead. And they want us to believe that, that she has the brawn to pull it off. And she does in some scenes when she's given a partner who is of equal or lesser size. And that's fine. But let's, well, if you want to talk about reality, you know, come on. That's not reality. That's extended. But it is. I believe that she has that. that, that of course you did, because they matched her with people she could believably beat up. But in real life. How stupid of a, of a fucking team do you have to be to not send bigger, tougher guys to kick the shit out of her? Oh, well, that, How dumb do you that... have to be if you're Michael Fassbender and you want to kill her not to just pull out your gun and kill her? Why do you have physical combat? What, what kind of an assassin does that? No, they don't. They shoot or they poison or they stab or they're sneaky or they're – they don't just start fighting. I mean it was fighting for fighting's sake. It was, it was um, 
eroticized right. So you're, you're, you're being logical, and I completely agree with you. However, I accepted that this, there is a martial arts physical combat genre. That's what Steven Soderbergh yeah. was saying. Here's my version of that. And I love that about it. Yeah, that's the best part. That's the best thing. But, we, we, you know, you make the mistake when you start to head into the, is it realistic or not? I mean, in the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and those all those wire foo movies, you suspend your dis, the, the, the need for reality because it's so beautiful to watch. And that's what I felt watching her. She just was so beautiful to watch that I did suspend my, my uh, need for reality. But it doesn't excuse the long scenes where we have to then sit through all the bad acting. And then that's where the movie really falls apart. Um, Phil, when's the last time that you recall a film that ends the way um, the gray does, which is not with a, it's not with a, you know, triumph and and life and, 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 you know, being saved, but it ends kind of a fatalistically uh, darkly, you know, not pleasantly, uh, certainly not uh, uh, in an up way. It's kind of like, uh-oh, well, that didn't work out, did it? When's the last time an action film has ended, ever ended like that that did well? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's not – yeah, that's or, not normally what happens. I mean, you know, it's, you, you, want the, uh, you want the good guys to make it out in the end, and, and that gives everybody a sense of, okay, you know, I, I, I just watched something that makes me feel happy that I watched it, so – for it to be well, I just want to—I'd like to have a, an idea that, it, with the, when I leave the theater, that I'm not going to be dead that afternoon or that evening, right? You don't want to die <laughs> tomorrow, right, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> you want to keep going for a while, you know? Maybe have a kid, maybe have a life, get old, kind of. So you don't want to die tomorrow. So why would you go to a movie? You know, what? How would you feel? How would you think most people would feel? Oh, I like this guy. He's a sharpshooter. He's hired to kill wolves. <laughs> he's obviously our heroic figure that we're going to stand by, and he's. You know, all these other guys are going to die. We can see that. That one's going to be dead, 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 dead. He's the last man standing, though. He's our guy. Oh, no, he's not the last man standing. He's going to get eaten by wolves, too. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's really ballsy on Joe Carnahan's part, i got to tell you. I was really impressed by that. But I don't think it's very commercial. I'm really surprised that it did as well as it did. No, and it isn't. I mean, this is, you know, we, we have this conversation a lot about how, you know, it's it's not all that different from the conversation we had about Moneyball. You know, if if they win the World Series at the end, you know, you get an extra twenty million dollars at the box office, mm-hmm. and it's the same yeah. thing with Gray. You know, if if Liam Neeson lives in the end, you know, tack on an extra twenty twenty five million dollars. So yeah, from a from a bean counter standpoint, I mean, it must it must drive um, you know distributors and studios nuts to see a good story that that just can end on a, a positive note because yeah it, it does make a huge difference um but yeah no i give them credit it is ballsy it is you know it's it's very admirable to resist that urge to have a, a happy ending um and, and stick to your guns so it, it deserves to be you know encouraged so how out there is that knowledge about the ending like how much are we gonna shit are we gonna get for spoiling <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to cut that out or what? No, I don't think we should. The hell with it. Just put like a spoiler warning or something. I don't all right, know. all right. I mean, I'll put a spoiler alert. Um, yeah. So, are we going to talk about the Oscars or what? Well, yeah. You, you guys want to get? Because um, I have to. I let's can't. Let's go to really oh, no, Phil, I wanted let's to talk. One really has let's go to that subject that has everybody on the edge of their seat. Can't wait for the next chapter. My God, my, my well, fingers. People... I don't know about your fingernails, but mine. Bitten down to the quick. I cannot 
God, I can't stand the suspense. What do you think might happen, Sasha? <laughs> Gee, I don't know. I don't know. It's got a tight race for best picture. I mean, anything could upset. You know, we don't even know how. Well, it really is. has me uh, really enthralled. Besides, who's going to win the best picture Oscar? You know what I? Re- I can't. You know what I want to know is who did the best at predicting what. The DGA was going to do. Let's talk to Tom O'Neill and find out who did that. Because, damn it, I want to know. It's important. (laughs) Who didn't predict it? That's what I want to know. Just really quickly, though, Phil, can you give me just a quick Oscar? I know you sent me an article, but I was too depressed to post it. (laughs) Can you just talk quickly about Oscar and box office and and the artist? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, I, well, there's there's three big movies that uh, you know that need to be discussed. Um, you know, first is Artist, obviously. Uh, you know, that went up forty percent from last weekend, which I don't know. It's it's not a total disappointment, but it's it's far the from best. you know a rousing success. I mean, it, Bill, did you happen to see Mark? Did you happen to see Mark Harris's tweet yesterday about no. how the artist is just like the King's speech? It's no, unstoppable. It said, he said it's just like the King's Speech if nobody went to, wanted to go pay to see the King's Speech. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. yeah, I mean, it, it's just fighting an uphill battle. That, that's all there is to it. I mean, by now, everybody knows that it's going to win Best Picture and it's going to win Best Director. That's The masses are aware of it. You know what I mean? It's no longer, you know, the Oscar bloggers just saying that. Everybody knows it. And it's still, you know, it, it's almost at 900 locations and it still can't you know, get a, a real footing in terms of, you know, what what it's making, um, which, you know, you, it's, a, it's a total, you know, is the cup half full or is the cup, um, you know, half empty situation. You can look at it and say, okay, it's, you know, it's this juggernaut Oscar contender and it should be making a lot of money and it's not. Or you can look at it and say, look, it's not a commercial movie and anything that it makes over, you know, $10 million, is is pretty much a success because right. it's it's not something that's going to play to the masses really. Um, I I tend to lean the second part, the, you know, that you know, glass half uh, full for for this one. I mean, I think if you know if it ends up anything over like thirty five million dollars, which I think is very realistic at this point, um, should be seen as a a huge success. And you know, Weinstein Company What's, should get a lot of credit Phil, for that. You just- so, can you stop for a second, please? Yeah. What figure do you do, did you say is realistic for the artists at this point? I think I'm thinking like 35 million. That's kind of. That's I, the first time I've ever heard anybody even flirt with the possibility that it would like make more than 20. I didn't. I never uh, realized that it had that potential. That's actually pretty good, don't you think, for a silent yeah. film? Yeah. I mean, it's look it, right now. It's at at 16.7. And you've got what, um, uh, like about a month? When when are the Oscars are announced? What the end of February? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you have still a month before they're announced, and then once they are announced, it'll it'll have another surge then after it wins. So you know, so yeah, it's uh, thirty five. I think is kind of in the bag. I mean, you know, and I, you know, it's it's it, this is one of the toughest movies to call. It really is. I mean, it can, it, you know, it can hit thirty five or it can hit sixty. You know, it's like. You don't know. You re- you really don't know how people are going to react after it wins. It might that might be the thing that changes everyone's mind. You know, well, they, they if it, to hit sixty, Phil, wouldn't it have to be um, experience a little repeat viewing? Um, because that's one thing I think is really fair to say. It does not have 
a great um, uh, second viewing uh, uh, delivery. It's just it's one thing you should see once and let it go, you know, because I was pretty pleased with it when I first saw it. But it doesn't work the second time. I mean, it really doesn't. No, I mean, to hit 60, it wouldn't need repeat viewings. I mean, because, you know, look how well the King's Speech did. And, you know, I don't think that I don't think a lot of people are going to see that twice. I mean, it just, you know, no, to hit 60, that that would just mean that, you know, it, it got, you know, it received more mainstream recognition as a result of, you know, the, the Oscar win. Yeah. That's what that would it's, say. That's like, okay, finally, everybody who is resisting it gives in and says, okay, I want to see why this won Best Picture. Right. You know, it's, and it's definitely skews older. Like the people that I know in my age group and older all either say they want to see it or they say they've seen it and they love it. But it also, if you can force a kid to sit down and watch it, they will also like it. Like it has that universal appeal about it because it is a silent movie. It is black and white, but that's where it ends. I mean, it's pretty much a generic by the numbers story that can be plugged in. It is so generic, in fact, and so universal that it could be watched in any language, in any country, by any age group, and they would get it, and they most yes. of them would love it. And that's how right. you—that's how you're finding Best Picture now. That's the new. I mean, it's always been that way, but there was a brief moment where it wasn't, and now we're back to that again. And it, it, I'm not to say that The Artist is a bad film because I don't think it is. I think it's really good, but I think that there are people who miss the kind of gravitas and seriousness of of a real robust best picture contender that the artist certainly is not imagine if it delivered a silent film that had all the emotional elements or many of the emotional elements that we have in the artist but which actually used uh, a story an intrigue a plot that that had something other than just uh, a rehashing of well-known um you know paradigm well-known plot in other films in other words if they'd really tried to write something on their own, come up with something that would be imaginative and, and you know, maybe subversive, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unexpected, surprising, just anything other than what they did, which is just to do A Star is Born. And, well, um, and the interesting, you know, the interesting thing again. about it is that um, both the King's Speech and uh, the artist you'd think would, would be less successful because they're uh, European productions. But I think in the end, that's why they're more successful. I think American directors actually strive higher and try to do something more outside the box than both of those films. And those films um, are imbued with romance and respectability because they come from different countries. If an American director had made the artist, they might have done what you're saying. They might have tried to make it something a little uh, more difficult or, or challenging, and then it would never be where it is now. And same with the King's Speech. No American, no self-respecting American director that wasn't directing for PBS would have made the King's Speech. And even if he had, it never would have gone where it went. It's just because it's from Europe, it's given a little more respectability, I think. I don't think it's just the movie. I really don't. Um, and that's the interesting thing to me is it's kind of cool that for once the Americans are the ones that are doing the more interesting, more visionary work compared to the films that are coming out of Europe, which are more conventional. So ir- it's so ironic, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> so ironic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, um, I, I mean, every year I get sick of this around this time of year. I I've know. never felt more, more sick of the, this process, yeah. um, other than the fact that I'd like to just put a brave face on and just <laughs> wait for it to be over and uh, and hope for new excitement and things that might happen this year as opposed to last year, which I've given up on. Um, 
you know, it's just, it's all, it's all um, putrid to me, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, Phil, is there any film that can take the box office? I mean, Dragon Tattoo, had it been nominated, which it should have been, uh, thanks to their stupid lame system, it didn't get nominated this year. <laughs> but is there any um, uh, best picture that can run away with it? Because Dragon Tattoo is headed for 100 mil at this point but any of the other movies can the descendants break that like 50 60 level it has and um i know Moneyball's not in theaters what about hugo i know they're opening it wide can that do anything at the box office is there any movie that can um yeah i'm still holding out for descendants i still think that has a lot of life left in it um because well right now it's it's at 58 after this weekend it it did 6.5 million over the weekend and and this is the first time this is what's really crucial to understand up until this weekend it hadn't even hit a thousand locations so it made more than 50 million dollars from less than a thousand locations that's a huge accomplishment um so it's got a month before the announcement you know and then after Clooney wins then you know it'll have another couple weeks where people are going to want to see it so I definitely think it has a, a very real shot at you know hitting 100 million um Hugo probably not I mean what the problem with Hugo is it leads the nominations, right. but it's not the favorite to win in any of the big categories. So right. that that sucks a lot of the you know must see value out of it because right. that's what's that's what's pushing the artists, that's what's pushing Descendants, that's what'll push um, you know give a nice little bump to the Iron Lady because you know Meryl Streep is you know very much you know that's I mean that's the only real race left right, right. An actress I mean that can go either way so. That's pushing that forward. Actor and, um, is sort of... I think actor might be up in the air, too, a little bit. Really? You think yeah, there could be, well, like, a split there? or? Well, I think Jean Dujardin might upset in that category. I knew you were going to say that. I'm so sorry to say, but I really do. I feel like that's going to happen. But, I mean, you'll find out tonight at the SAG Awards what's going to happen. Because if, our, if the artist wins ensemble, you are looking at a sweep. You know, you're looking at a slumdog millionaire type of sweep where it wins almost every category it's nominated for. Just saying. <laughs> Hello. I don't know what to say. I mean, that's um, <laughs> I have not. I can't. I can't remember. And I've been, you know, and I have a pretty considerable history. I can't remember a, a, a performance that is so thin and and so um, and so just about surface. Uh, uh, hello. Yeah, I think we lost Phil. No, no, I'm still here. I oh, just I'm do you just, have to go now, or can we? Yeah, yeah, I, a lot of stuff's coming in. So, oh, okay, um, all right. Well, thank you, Phil. It was great talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Hey, uh, yeah, wait, quickly, up, quickly, Phil, Phil, just yeah. what, what, what do we have of uh, excitement-wise in terms of like what people are definitely going to be going to see in the next weekend or two? Is there anything that you has you, um, you know, attuned in particular? Um, no, I mean this is such a, a boring time. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> It's such a dumping ground because everybody's you know focused on their you know their Oscar contenders from from last year still. Um, I mean, yeah, okay. next weekend it's Harry Potter in the Woman in Black. You know, it's like it's it's, it's just <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a boring you know boring month. Um, oh. You know, yeah, it's, you just have to grin and bear it, and then you know just hope that <laughs> you know it, it, it sucks because there's nine months of the year that you know, almost nothing interesting opens. And, mm. you know what I mean? And there should be, I wish there were Oscar contenders that could open in February, March, and April, and, and May. And that's just such a rare thing. It just doesn't happen. So. Yeah.
Bye, Phil. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so what were you saying? You were talking about Gavin Pallone. The Gavin Pallone piece that ran in New York Magazine, Some pe- a couple people responded. It was right at the end of Sundance when I posted it. And, in fact, the day I was flying back on uh, Friday. And, uh, again, Chris, who uh, envisions himself being a screenwriter uh, entirely within five years or ten years, he says, uh, I, I want to see the whole thing. Uh, I don't. I mean, I agree with Gavin Pallone entirely, and it's. Uh, and I said, but Chris, don't you feel invested in the in the system at least, as far as how it encourages good filmmaking to at least come out during the last four years, even though you know you might have the aversions to the Oscar telecast in one way or another. I sure love the effort. I sure love the feeling of the last four months, and that certainly uh, lifts my heart and my spirit. And I didn't understand, but he's he's pretty um, – he, he is not invested. Uh, Chris isn't. But that's, no, he that's never his, has uh, been. His whole thing is one foot out. He wants out so bad. He's wanted out for, for years now. Uh-huh. You know, this is not his thing. He doesn't want to be that guy. He doesn't want to be the Oscar-predicting guy, you know? He never has. Yeah. And, and he just happened to luck into it. You know, I've known him for since he was a teenager pretty much, and um, – he was like yeah. a guy on my message board and stuff, and he just kind of did it for fun. It was never – he went to film school. He wrote screenplays. He never did it seriously as yeah. a career. And I always told him, you know, here I am in my 40s. I don't have a lot going on. <laughs> you know, I need to make money. I need to have this career. But you, you know, you have your whole life ahead of you. You have plenty of yeah. things you can do with it. You do not have to be mired in this. And so I think he's right. trying to move out of it. I don't know if screenwriting is the right place to go, but – you know, why not? Lots of people write and sell screenplays in Hollywood. I'm sure he'll do just fine. He's smart, you know. Um, the Gavin Pallone thing, uh, I, I'm just glad one person is writing something about it because I think that the Oscars are so disappointing this year that someone, that more people in the media need to take a stand and talk about why yeah. why they're so insulated. You know, um, Owen Gleiberman did a great piece in Entertainment Weekly about how the Oscars are leaving the audience out. I thought it was a really important piece, but you don't see that kind of stuff at the New York Times because they won't deign to write about it because they won't actually act to care about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. it's not important enough for them to take as a serious subject, so they will yeah. not talk about it. Most critics won't be caught dead talking about it. They're too embarrassed to admit that they would even care. They think it's just trash, and it's stupid, and it's a popularity contest, and, and the Oscars are in danger of becoming like the Grammys, just so totally overlooked and disregarded as having any sort of meaning at all, except to the people who win them. And the people who win them are winning them totally by design and by money. Uh-huh. You know? In my okay. opinion, that's where the Oscars are headed. So, I mean, they are so insular. And and you know what? Even the Grammys are in a way better because they do sort of take into account sales, you know? As opposed to... Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, to me, it seems like it's it's one of the worst years I've seen in 13 years of, of doing the Oscars. Like, there's just not one. Uh, Hugo is the best one, I think. But And I like The Descendants, and Moneyball is incredible. But Moneyball doesn't have a director yeah. nomination, so it can't win. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just... It, it's a weird year, and it's a good year to really kind of discuss why things are going so wrong. <clears throat> Nobody's doing that. You know, Owen Gleiberman did it, and that guy, Gavin Pallone, did it. And I'm doing it, and you're doing it, you know. Um, but most people aren't. You know, most of the Oscar writers are just like, the artist takes the lead. The artist is going to win Best Picture <laughs> by a mile. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> 
So last night was so sad because um, they they do at the DGA they give out plaques to each nominee. They get silver plaques and they're introduced by people and they get a round of applause. Well. When it was Scorsese's time, everybody stood up immediately and they gave him a standing ovation. Well, very few people get standing ovations in there. Catherine Bigelow was one who did. And so that made people start yeah. to think, oh, God, maybe he's going to actually win, you know. And then, of course, mm-hmm. the reality set in, which, you know, I have I have post-traumatic stress disorder from last year. <laughs> so I knew how this thing was going to go down. I was so yeah. relaxed and zen about it because I knew that there was no chance anybody else was going to win. I don't know what's happened to the DGA. I don't know who chopped their nuts off. But I swear to God, they're the, the most milquetoast group that I've, I've – I just had no idea they would ever be this this tame and, and safe and conventional in there. And obedient. Yeah. And obedient. I, I would have been delighted. Wouldn't it if they, if they had just, you know, done something other than the expected pack mentality and – Given, I would have been delighted if Scorsese had won. I mean, that at least would would say there's some vitality in some people's hearts, and yeah, you know, they, they, somebody wants to be, you know, just do something unusual. Um, right. Well, um, yeah. the uh, when I was on, I did NPR. Um, I did NPR Weekend Edition. We were talking about adapted screenplay, and the reporter was asking me, "Do the members have to read the, the source material?" And she she was genuinely interested to know if adapted if the adapted screenplay award was actually an award for adapting a screenplay. And of course it's not, it's totally tied in with best picture, just like director is. And back in the day, in the old days, the DGA would go rogue. You know, they wouldn't just vote for the movie they thought was best picture. They would vote for the film that they thought was challenging and that the director did a challenging job, you know, did something um, unusual and exceptional. Some people will say that Haas did do something unusual and exceptional with the artist. And I think in a way he did, but um, I don't know that for his first, you know, major effort like that, that it's worth rewarding this much. I don't think it's good for him as an artist to earn that right now, these accolades. I think for him and Tom Hooper, it's better to not have won. A nomination Mm -hmm. is good enough, but give it to somebody who's a vet, somebody like Alexander Payne, who has made these great films in his whole career and is, is way overdue for an Oscar win and really tried hard sure. this time to do something emotionally truthful and, uh, yeah. and fucking hit it out of the park. You know, all the performances in that movie are great. It's an American story that really hits home with a lot of people. It's an adult story. It's not just here, sit down, let me rub your shoulders for a little while and make you smile and send you off on your way, which mm-hmm. the artist is. Great, beautiful, wonderful film, but a nomination is enough for that movie, in my opinion. It's a high honor yeah. to be nominated with those guys. But to win? Sure. Yeah. It was just like Tom Hooper last year. It's like, it's great to be nominated, but to win? To beat these guys? You know? <laughs> it's just like, has the world gone fucking crazy? <laughs> What's going yeah. on? Yeah. So anyway, that's sort of how I see it. Like, I just would like to see them yeah. shamed a little bit. And then that way they could be shaken up and start to, to rethink what they're doing, you know, who they are and what they're voting for. And I would love to yeah. see category by category get, you know, recognition. Like, I would love to see it if they would say, this is the best original screenplay, so it deserves to win for best original screenplay. Not, this is the best picture, so it deserves to win for that. This is the best cinematography, so let's give it to that instead of the film that's going to win best picture, you know. To really think about category by category what that award means, you know, mm-hmm. my opinion. I don't think they're ever going to yeah. do that. But if I was talking about how to fix the Oscars, that's what I, where I would start, you know. I, I'm intrigued by your, by your uh, history about the DGA having occasionally gone rogue uh, in, in naming their own uh, prize winners. 
And I was just wondering if you could provide one or two examples of when, of any year in which it, it was clearly going to be, you know, a sweep for this or that film, but the DGA uh, decided to go in another direction. Um, Do you have any, any particulars that you can recall? Um, I can look at my list really fast. I can look at my DGA list. I have them all written down here. But I do know that in some cases, the Academy is actually the one that goes rogue. And it's it's always a beautiful miracle when that happens, like when Roman Polanski won for The Pianist and the DGA had gone for oh. Rob Marshall. And, um, and yeah. uh, uh, the, you know, the interesting thing about the artist is that I wrote about this today and I've been saying it. I figured out that not since Oliver, not since Oliver won the yeah. Globe for musical comedy, um, has yeah. a film that won in that category, went on to win Best Picture and Best Director at the Oscars. So that was 1968. So if we go this year and Hazanavicious wins and The Artist wins, that's going to be the first time since 1968 that someone has won in that category and also won Best Director. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Um, but, yeah, in the past, it's pretty much whatever's going to win Best Picture is going yes. to win. But you can see the DGA in the year 2000 gave it to Ang Lee for Crouching Tiger when Gladiator was clearly the favorite. And Gladiator won Best Picture. Right. Steven Soderbergh won Best Director that year. So that's an example of them sort of thinking differently. Um, let's mm-hmm. see what else might come up here. Yeah. But, I mean, pretty much it's, it's, it's match. You know, it matches 100%. It's not always that... They do something different, right. but their choices, like they gave Steven Spielberg for The Color Purple and then Sidney Pollack won for Out of Africa, for instance. You know, Warm Beatty for yeah. Reds, Chariots of Fire won Best Picture. You know, um, right. mm-hmm. you just see kind of a, a more uh, rigorous choice for interesting directors than, than sure. you see now. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you look at the list, it's like Jonathan Demme, Silence of the Lambs, Clint Eastwood, Unforgiven, Steven Spielberg, Schindler's List, you know. And then you get Robert Zemeckis, Forrest Gump, and Ron Howard, Apollo 13. I mean, and then mm-hmm. you get to the artists. It just seems to me so mellow and weak compared, you know, yeah. to the yeah. other, their yeah. other choices. Oh, also, you know, Francis Ford Coppola won for The Godfather, and The Godfather won Best yeah. Picture, but Bob Fosse won Director for Cabaret. I mean, stuff like that where you can see that they're actually trying to work out the differences, you know, between the categories and, and what best director means and what best adapted screenplay means. And, you know, it doesn't always have to match best picture. People don't have to vote like that. Yeah. They don't have to be sheep. Like you always say, <laughs> you know, yeah, they can, they can think independently. Of course, you're talking about a majority yeah. vote. So of course it's, it's naturally designed to honor sheep mentality. Right. So, right. um, Hey, when, uh, if I go to npr.org uh, and, uh, punch in your name. Will the pot, will the interview that you? I don't did, know. What, I, have, I haven't listened to it. I'm too humiliated to listen to it because <laughs> I don't think I said anything good. I, I, you know, I didn't get to say what I really wanted to say about um, about these stories. And there were some really important points I didn't get to make. And you know, I had practiced and written stuff down. And uh, and I, you know, of course, it was like it was ten minutes, but it was so fun driving down to NPR. <laughs> such a geek like <laughs> i took a sticker and a button and you know i was like looking around like this is so cool it was npr and i got to sit at a you know a desk with a microphone and talk to was uh, this at uh, at the kcrw station in santa no, monica no it was actually npr west down in um culver city you know it was just funny because i was but talk- you're- huh? go ahead i was talking to her and well, she, um you know she was asking me about adapted screenplay like it really meant 
its own separate category. And when she said, you know, do, do the members have to read the scripts and the source material? And I was like, no, they don't. They don't even have, they're not even required to see all the movies. You know, they have the screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They have the screener pile. They choose what they want to watch, you know. And I'm finding yeah. with the artist, I have a hard time getting people to see it, even on a screener. You know, here, watch this. This is going to win Best Picture. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see that, you know. It's funny, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think once they sit down and watch it, they're surprised by how much they like it. Because I do think it is a movie that appeals to everybody, you know. But I would like it if Best Picture wasn't about necessarily a movie that appeals to everybody. As so much as what people would generally consider this was the best film made in this year, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know any other way of judging it other than I liked this one the best, which is how they do it, you know. So we're in a frustrating business, Jeff. We are in a frustrating business, and it happens to be our bread and butter. And we can't quit now because we need the money. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I, I just like I, I just wish there was uh, some honest way to inject some real enthusiasm into any aspect of the finalists. And I just feel written out about it. And I, um, me too. Uh, about, you know, I just don't know what to say. Uh, if there is any sense of a, of a, of a real competitive race between two or three movies or, you know, just anything, but there isn't. And, uh, the last night was the final nail in the coffin. And, uh, you know, when, when, um, Michelle Hassanavicius won for the director's guild, that was it. Uh, you know, there's no chance now right. it's over. So. There's no chance. I mean, and people will say really annoying. People will say it's, it's been the artist since can, you know, and, People well, I say it's been the artist since the New York film critics. That's those are the people that started the avalanche and created the feeling that this is the one to jump on and go with and be part of a group mm, and part see, of a crowd. I don't. Yeah. I think it was before that. I was waiting for any movie to come along to knock it yeah. out. And it never happened. I mean, I was waiting for yeah. one movie, but I was as soon as Dave Carger said it was going to win. That's when you knew it was going to win. And the only thing that would have stopped it was another movie. <clears throat> But there isn't any movie that fits into that formula better. The only movie that would have given it some trouble is Dragon Tattoo if they'd nominated it only because it's doing so well at the box office. That's the only thing that can shake up a movie like The Artist. If there's a movie that's even... If Hugo was making $100 million, it would beat The Artist in a heartbeat. Um, if any of those movies, Descendants, The Artist... I mean, if, if The Descendants, Hugo, or Moneyball had made over $100 million, it would it would give the artist some trouble, but nothing has. Like the Descendants has stopped around fifty sixty. Same with Hugo. Moneyball was around yeah. seventy something. The Help doesn't have a director or a screenplay nomination. It can't win. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the only thing that would have stopped the artist. And Dragon Tattoo was totally taken out. And <laughs> well, I'm not even going to talk about that. But I'm just saying that <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just absurd to me that that at least three movies got in that are supposedly better. Give me a break. Can we fire whoever <laughs> voted for these movies? <laughs> I'll just say, I want to take you out of the Academy now. You've lost your privilege to vote. So that's unfortunate, but it's fine. You know, I'm happy to have a David Fincher movie not in the race, personally, because yeah. it, it makes yeah. it a lot more of a peaceful time for me because people are always accusing me of this or that. And I think Fincher is totally fine and happy that he's not in the race. You know, he, I think he really wanted Bennett Miller to be acknowledged. He thinks to him, Moneyball is the best film of the year. And, um, 
Yep. He thinks Moneyball is the best film of the year, and he couldn't believe that he didn't get a DGA nomination. He couldn't believe that he didn't get a director nomination. So, um, this is uh, that's Mr. the Fincher. real crime of of 2011 is Moneyball. That's the real sad right. thing because that's a really, really, really good movie. Way yes, better is. than the one that's about to win. Way better. Way. So. The um, I got to tell you, there is one consolation or one emotional satisfaction that I that I will not forget for. While that is the collapse of the whole war horse uh, thing and the shock that Dave Carger uh, uh, expressed in the piece, uh, you know, after that happened, uh, that was a, that was genuinely um, pleasing to me. And I um, I think I should maybe not be so cynical about it. At least that happened. And I don't I feel felt at least pretty good that people woke up and said, we can't we can't go there. Yeah, it's still and, got uh, a lot of Oscar nominations, though. It still took, in my opinion, Dragon Tattoo spot, and it shouldn't have. And uh, it, it still got six Oscar nominations. still got Best Picture, you know? Best Picture of okay. the Year. It's named one of That's the just, nine. Uh, I know, but so That's what? A- this is the business we're in where they're naming these nine films are supposedly the films that best represent 2011. It's a joke. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Anyway, I don't think it's uh, it's it's anything to. I think it's it's been out of any, you know, serious consideration well, for anything. To win. Uh, yeah, I mean, so. it did it did tank to win, but it, the the fact that they even gave it a best picture nomination, and you know, you know, bless Scorsese or, uh, Spielberg's heart for making the movie that he made, but I'm sorry, but you can't call it one of the best films of the year. You just can't, not with a straight face. Yeah. And um, right. I'm not, you know. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. You and I have said it enough. It's just that it's what a shame that um, in the end it comes down to Spielberg's star power. Uh, and that's how the Oscars are run and people vote for their friends. And, you know, it's all the gross things we've ever known about them, you know, really illuminated for all to see this year. It's really never mm-hmm. been as glaring because so right. many great films were left off, I thought. Mm-hmm. But, oh, well, onward mm-hmm. and upward. So how's the Santa Barbara Wait, Film Festival? Sorry to say in terms of the Santa Barbara Film Festival, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I was, I can tell you, it was very, very nice last night to listen once again to Chris Plummer talk about his life and career. Uh, I was not nodding off. I was alert and uh, enjoying. Um, Pete Hammond handled it really nicely, I thought, and um, it was, it was quite pleasurable. But I, overall, I was. Um, I was kind of hoping that, that that we'd get a little Brad Pitt action here. I understand Roger not being interested in George Clooney this much uh, because he's been everywhere and he's quite uh, he's quite the presence and he's been you know he's a dogged uh, political uh, fellow. He understands how to work the room, work the town, you know. So, um, but I, but he asked about Brad Pitt um, in October and they said to him he's probably not going to do anything. He doesn't see. It see any uh any big vigor vigorous touring around in in december january but that's the way they were looking at it i guess in october i guess they said well you know we don't we don't and then all of a sudden brad pitt turns up in palm springs and he turns up on this and that magazine cover and he's doing oh you know he just changed his mind is what happened Hmm. but just too bad because i would have uh, felt some real excitement and uh, appreciation um you know but um he, you know, he if he worked a little harder, he could probably win this Oscar. But I think what he's trying to do is work as producer, one of the producers of Moneyball. <clears throat> and I think he wants the movie to do well. He wants it to win something. And so coming out yeah. will 
will help right. that. I mean, I think the only win it's got possible is the adapted screenplay, which is probably going to either go to The Descendants or Hugo. Uh, maybe Moneyball. I mean, it has Aaron Sorkin and Steve Zalian on it, so the love for that movie might pull it through to, to win a surprise. I think that, I mean, it's so funny to say, but adapted screenplay actually is one of the more exciting categories because you don't know what's going to win there. That's really, uh-huh. to me, um, adapted screenplay is really where, if they had Dragon Tattoo in there, it would be, to me, where the best picture race really is, right in the heart of that category. Those three movies have always been, it's always been... Um, Moneyball, The Descendants, and Hugo, and then The Artist are really the four core movies. And then there were the extras living on the fringe, like The Help, and mm-hmm. The Help, mm-hmm. Dragon Tattoo. And yep. It is probably one of the more depressing Oscar years that I've, I've lived through. <laughs> In 13 years of, of Oscar watching, it's got to be among the most depressing. Slumdog Millionaire was kind of close. It was a, it was fun to watch Danny Boyle win. Those guys, they were all so excited about it, and it's such a good movie in its own way, you know. But it talk about a movie that won everything and never stopped winning. That was that movie. It just didn't stop all the way through. It just won, 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 won. At least with the artists, there were a couple of movies that are sort of pushing through, like The Descendants and Hugo a little bit. I mean, we can try to fool ourselves into thinking that they are anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that's when you come up. Are you gonna still gonna come up on um... Tuesday? I might. I might drive up tomorrow to see the Marty thing. Do you know what time? You should be here for that, don't you think? Yeah, I want to be here for that. So, but if I do, I have to drive up. I have to go see it. Then I have to drive down to Ojai to where my mom lives, sleep there, then drive back early in the morning, and then drive back again on Tuesday to Santa Barbara to bring Emma back to L.A. and then drive back up. Do you have a vacation? Uh, does she have a school vacation on Monday? No, she'd have to miss school. She'd have to miss okay. school. Yeah. So she would come up and... We would go up on Monday and I'd take her up after school. We'd go... I'd have to try to get another ticket to the Scorsese thing to see if she could come with me. I don't know where she'd go otherwise, you know? Um, well, I'm. Uh, I think I can... I could try to help you in that regard. Maybe that would, I, I think it could possibly help you in that regard. Hmm. Thanks. I'll let you know as soon as I get there. I'll text you and see how, you know. Because uh, if I have to drive her to my mom's before I go to Santa Barbara, that's going to be a lot of driving. I could do it if I have to, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So anyway, yeah, All that's right. what we're doing. I'll be up there Tuesday. I hope there's some good stuff happening later in the week at the Santa Barbara. I know they front load the festival, so... Yeah, the uh, it's really uh, you have to like I, I take two days off and I have to go down to Los Angeles on Tuesday and Wednesday and see a new accountant and sh- uh, shift all my uh, records over to a new accountant and and uh, you know a couple of things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would so I'm just uh, it, it, then I come back and they do the uh, virtuosos on Thursday and then the weekend starts again and it's a lot of fun on the weekends. Yeah. I had a I had a very good time. Although I must say, I don't think my body realized or I realized that I was so diff- I was so uh, uh, worked out in a very intense way. You know, those those days at Sundance, those, you know, it's like a can day. It's that right. 6 a.m. to midnight thing. And it's, mm. it's, it's no joke. It really is that kind of pace. And you really do. I, I, I've told you and you've recognized in me that I love that on one level. But after about six or seven days of that, much less nine days, you know, your body just starts to uh, starts to slowly collapse in, in one way or another, and you don't realize that you're hurting as much as you are until 
you find yourself sleeping later and you're, you know, right. and then I, and then I made the huge mistake of having Moet and Chandon champagne when <laughs> I, I got here on your site. Yeah. So what did that do? Did that, that just sort of make brutal. everything shut down? Just, I, I really felt like I had taken some kind of poison. I, uh, it, it, uh, have you ever gotten drunk on champagne alone, just champagne? It really is a, so full of sugar. And so, um, and it just feels like you've got something really, uh, you know, uh, unhealthy and, and bad in your system. And you, and you need to drink a lot of water and just get rid of it and do, take walks. And, you know, it's, mm. I'm, never, I'm not going to do that again for a long time. Yeah, it's been a while oh. since I've had any champagne at all. I can't even remember the last time, honestly. Uh, it, yeah. it can it can really mess with you. But uh, it's always yeah. it, when I think of champagne, I think of a headache <laughs> immediately. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it's it's beautiful to be up there in Santa Barbara. You know, it's so pretty and nice. I wish things had worked out for me with the festival more. I mean, I, you know, what can I say? Just uh, mm. it just didn't work out, and that's so fine. The- let me understand. You're, if you come up for the Marty, you are not going to stay anywhere in town. You're going to not stay at the Sandman or any of those places. I probably will save the money. I mean, although if I got one hotel room, it would certainly make it easier for me because I could just put Emma there, which I might do. So that's all I'm saying. You should get go to that little place. I, I I've really been there. I really do know personally firsthand. That it's a very delightful little place for only eighty four dollars a night. Can't I think that. it's even cheaper than that. It's cheaper. It's like sixty something dollars a night. You know. Oh, okay. Whatever. So I'll probably I'll probably do that. Actually, I'll probably just get a hotel room, drive up there with Emma, spend the night, drive back down, and then come back up on. Um, we got a really nice little guest house or a B and B room there in Santa Barbara off State Street. Really nice little, mm-hmm. little place. So that's where I'll be for five nights with. Uh, with a friend. Where, where on State Street again is it? Tell me the um, approximate location. Gosh, what's it called? Uh, the B and B, you say? Yeah, the it's Hidden not... Garden. I think it's called something like that. And it's, um, okay. it's, uh, you know, it's a typical B and B. But it, the good thing about it is that it's up on State Street, so it's it's within walking distance of of different things. And I really didn't want to be down by the beach because. Last time I had to drive and park, you know, and that was a drag. And if I had stayed outside of Santa Barbara, I would have had to take that traffic, you know, on State Street or on the freeway by State Street. There's always a ton of traffic. Right. And uh, I didn't want to have to be dealing with that plus parking, you know, just to cover this fest. So as it is, I'll drive up there on Tuesday, you know, Monday. I'll get my, my, my badge, do yes. the Scorsese thing, which I hope is wonderful. He's probably feeling a little... There, I, I'm sure their campaign is feeling a little deflated after last night, you know. I think they were hoping that there would just be a tiny chance that he would win there. But, you know, when there's a split coming for Best Picture and Best Director, you don't see it coming. It's a surprise, and it comes out of nowhere. So if he is going to win the Oscar, which he probably won't, you know. He no, he's not You know. I think the power of Harvey and that campaign and that buzz is just too strong. People don't often step out of, of their pre-designated pattern in the Oscar race. Uh-huh. Right, right. I think that the uh, <clears throat> that Hugo is a, maybe a kind of a uh, the uh, I became enthused about it winning just because it wasn't the artist because I um, uh, I wanted to see uh, like I said some variation, some difference of opinion, something. 
And uh, but it really had, uh, I think, uh, acquired the reputation of a film that uh, cost too much and didn't deliver right. enough its entirety. The cost and, was the problem. The other problem yeah. with Hugo, unfortunately, and this is a real drag and it's too late to fix it, but the screener did not look good. And uh, that's key. You know, the artist looks great on screener, but Hugo, the colors were off. It looked weird. It didn't look like it did on, on the big screen. And if yeah. all the voters had seen that movie on the big screen, I think they would feel differently. But I think that with the way it looked, the weird coloring and the screening screener it just it lost a lot and i think that's one of its biggest problems unfortunately but you're never going to be able to overcome how much it cost movies that cost that much that don't make the money back they hardly ever win awards you know Mm -hmm. people are weird like that they really do think about the money almost every best picture winner in the last 10 years was made for a very small amount of money you know uh Mm -hmm. the the departed costs like 90 million and made like a hundred and something million. That's like the highest one you can think of. Best picture. You know, they're, they're always like 15, 30 million. That's the kind of thing that Oscar prefers. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, I, um, um, I, I have never, I have not felt quite so depleted of ideas. I got charge somehow and find something else well can to, you talk uh, to me a little bit about the viola davis di- um tribute because i missed that i was really sad to have missed it how was it uh the main response that i had to it <clears throat> i'm afraid i only came in towards the very end because i was like my plane arrived at 8 40 mm-hmm. uh it took four, tw- 30 minutes it took 20 minutes to fly from los angeles to 20 25 minutes to like, go from los angeles to Santa Barbara. It took 25 to 30 minutes for the luggage to, <laughs> to come out. <laughs> oh, my God. But once that finally Why happened, did it take that long? It's just the, the, uh, at the Santa Barbara airport, a very small airport, only one guy driving one sort of tractor trailer with a bunch of bags uh, attached in a kind of a trolley mm. thing. Uh, it was just one guy, and he had to do it all himself, and that's the way they have it set up. So. Oh, my God. So the... Uh, so I got there, uh, and they did start late, but I got there a little bit late, and Anne was just finishing. I, I, but I did get down there, and I did uh, tape her as she said uh, thank you, and I was really struck by, uh, in a good way, in a play- pleasing way, because I think it's because uh, uh, I think you understand that people that are truly one of the big talents of their time and uh, a truly heavyweight person, there's no question about it. Uh, they all know exactly. How good they are they don't have they're not going oh gee it's awfully nice for you guys to think little old me might be good at a couple of things they don't they don't really mean that they know that they're they're in their like a key important vital moment of their lives and they know that they have the tools to really achieve something uh phenomenal uh, in, in terms of their career and they are delighted and they're happy and you know they know that they're right and you know this doesn't happen to that many people mm. so she was pretty plain spoken about how She's just wants that big role. That's her big thing. She keeps looking. She's always searching. She's not sure she's found it, but this is what she and she she knows she's got the gifts and the talent Good. to apply to I'm something. I'm glad she real, does, and I'm, I'm I'm disgusted that. But here's what here's my, that we live in a world where she this. doesn't get those kind of parts. You know, it makes me sick that like 
this whole thing is going down with with Meryl Streep and, and Viola Davis when it's such an unfair fight, you know, because Meryl's, Viola Davis is never going to get offered to play Margaret Thatcher. Only a genius, innovative director would ever cast her as Margaret Thatcher, and I think that would be a movie to see, <laughs> personally. I would also cast her as Marilyn myself. But um, because I think it's fun Here's to play, I, like. I, I think it's fun to play with people's preconceived ideas about black and white. I think that's fun, and I think that it's a shame yeah. that this is the best that Hollywood can get for Viola Davis. But I and I hope she wins because I, I would really like to see that little tiny establishment break up a little bit myself. But I don't think it's going to sure. happen. I think Meryl Streep's going to win anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so um, she was um, so she was very plain spoken. I really uh, 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 we, the after party was at the uh, very large uh, home of the new president of the festival. It's no longer um, Jeff Barbaco. It's a guy named Roberts. I forgot that he's an attorney. I think for uh, or uh, for a lot of ta- you know talent uh, entertainment industry clients. And it was uh, not big the party and. Uh, uh, all the journalists just talked to each other. You know, we didn't really... Uh, I talked to um, um, Olivia and Samuel L. Jackson, who's here with a film that's kind of a boilerplate uh, uh, urban action film called The The Samaritan. And um, I didn't really talk to Viola very much, but it was not a big party, a fairly small group. But that is where the champagne poisoning took place. It was just constant. You know, the glass was out, Someone would come along and pour it, and, you know, oh, no, I, I just, I learned something. That's the last time that's going to happen. Mm. But anyway, it was, it was a good, uh, it was a good, <laughs> very nice, elegant night. And it's always, um, and in the beautiful, dark hills of Montecito, which are not really lit up. I mean, I, I love how dark it is up there. You know, it's not a lot of uh, street lights and winding, you know, that, that the way everything smells, there's quite a lot of uh, beautiful trees and, just the aroma. It feels like you're almost in Tuscany. The, oh, that's uh, lovely. Uh, yeah. That's lovely. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, at any rate, Jeff, I mean, All after right. last yeah. year's dramatic hideousness where it was actually seemed like a real contest, um, this year yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's not. So I guess that's how it goes. It's just film awards. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not, not anything important. But it's fun, yeah. and yeah. you know, you make some nice money, and you get to go to film festivals and Absolutely. write about movies. A, I mean, we're so lucky to be able to write about movies for a living. You know, it's a wonderful life, and we shouldn't be overly cynical. It's just this happens to be a year that does invite that, and right. let's hope for uh, for a more uh, vibrant and exciting and competitive uh, year in the current one that we're at. Now, I look mm-hmm. very much forward to the. All the ups and downs and going to Cannes and the whole thing. I've got the mm. same place in Cannes. Oh, you do. What are you going to do? Yeah, I haven't got, got my place yet, place. but I'm. I was waiting for you know some money to come in so that I could get my place because I have this hotel picked out, but I don't think it's going to work out because I think the checks are taking too long and so. But I'll find something. If, even if I have to go back to my little hotel in, in Juan Le Pens, I'll do that because <laughs> I liked that place. You know, uh, my guy, uh, um, Sasha, the one who Chris, who rented. was my guy, he was my guy before yeah. he was your guy. Your guy, your guy, who you <laughs> belong to. Trying to think of him as my guy because he's been very. He sent Sasha. Yeah, and I'm going to forward this oh, to you right do. now. He sent, he sent me a couple of places. Great. Uh, that, oh, send, send, send. Yes, 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 yes. Please, I wish I meant to ask you that. I need to get on the ball. I'm so looking forward to Cannes. It's the most. In fact, I, I'm starting to think that I only do my website so that I can go to Cannes. 
(laughs) I love it so much. To me, that's really what I would hope that the Oscar um, race would be like, the way it is at Cannes. Because there, you really feel like it's about movies. You don't feel like it's about anything else. It's just about movies. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, who your publicist is. It's just the movies, you know. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So That's funny. I'm, you know, I'm just checking my emails, and I can't find the thing. Oh, God, Jeff. Look for it. Yeah. <laughs> I can write him. I think I have his address somewhere. He, he, you know, he sent me some stuff last year, and they were all good options. I think if I start early, I'll be able to find something good. I can't wait to go. All right. Well, all right, so let's um, – we'll figure out something. Uh, what's the next thing is tonight, right? That's when the uh, – SAG awards Awards. are happening. Oh my God, the SAG Awards. Should we just, you want to just quickly do a rundown? Yeah. Or do we, are we out of time? Um, Okay. Uh, It's so boring. (laughs) But everybody seems to think it's going to go like this Meryl Streep for actress. Some people are predicting Viola Davis, but I don't think that's going to happen. I would die if it did. Uh, Yeah. The reason I would die is because when Halle Berry was up against um, Sissy Spacek in 2001, that's how long ago it's been since a black actress has won lead lead actress ten years, uh, and she lost the Golden Globe, just like Viola Davis did. But then she won the SAG, and then she won the Oscar. So if Viola Davis, whoever wins the SAG, basically is going to win the Oscar, I think Meryl Streep's going to win it. Both of them. I just have that feeling now. I don't feel my Viola Davis buzz anymore. I think once the help didn't get director and screenplay. That hurt it. It still has a Best Picture nomination where uh, The Iron Lady doesn't. And last year, or when it was Sandra Bullock for The Blind Side, that wasn't a freaking Oscar-winning performance, but she beat Meryl Streep because she had a Best Picture nomination with that. That's why mm-hmm. I think that uh, Max von Sydow has a really good chance of, of besting Christopher Plummer because hideously... I mean, extremely, <laughs> extremely loud and incredibly close has the best picture nomination. So that automatically makes it more popular than beginners. So um, uh, Von Sido has the edge. He's also Max Von Sido. Uh, so people think it's going to go. The general consensus is Meryl Streep, George Clooney, Octavia Spencer, Christopher Plummer, the help for ensemble. That's how people think it's going to go. It could go Viola Davis, George Clooney, Octavia Spencer, uh, Christopher Plummer, the artist, which is more likely because the artist is going to win something. It's going to win either Jean Dujardin or it's going to win ensemble. I'm going to think I'm going to predict it for ensemble as I'm talking to you. So I I think, you know, stop the presses, stop the presses. I am going to predict (laughs) the artist for ensemble, Jeff. I'm going to announce yeah. it and proclaim it loudly from my site with five exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> the artist is going to win ensemble. <laughs> like anybody gives a crap. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's Wait, what you, do you uh, think? What do you think? Do you uh, care to... to... <laughs> Do you want to put out predictions? Do you have any desire? No, I'll go along with what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm really. Um, uh, I would, uh, I would think it uh, not right if, um, if uh, George Clooney lost. I, uh, I really do believe that's one of the best things he's ever done. As and he's a, he's a, He reached inside and found something vulnerable in himself when he played that guy, and he dealt with uh, with death and resignation. 
and uh, jealousy and all the big emotions that uh, tend to, you know, rock, rock up movies that are about emotions. So that's, that's really something that would involve vulnerability and stretching. And I would be um, beside myself with astonishment if they didn't give it to him and they gave it to Jean Vujet then. But uh, I'm, I've already, you know, acknowledged that I'm very much apart from the from the mainstream sensibility mm-hmm. that's led to most of the awards this year. So I, I just don't know what to say. I just don't, I feel like I'm lifting off the planet and I'm going somewhere else. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm David Bowie, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Ziggy Ziggy Stardust or something. I just don't feel it. But Brown control whatever. to Major Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Well, yeah. we'll see how it goes. It's almost over. Just another month yeah. and then it's done. Just another month and then it's done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a whole yeah. nother month. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to write about for a whole other month? The race feels like it's I, over. I, know, I have a feeling that Tom O'Neill is going to badger me every day with some kind of uh, demand for new predictions. <gasps> so I better I better get the man up and, and do what Tom wants me to do because I, I do believe <laughs> in what he is trying to deliver, which is right. uh, you know a feeling for the for the playing field and. And I, yeah. I, I respect what he's, his efforts. So. Right, right. Okay, me too. All right, so hopefully I'll see you up in, in SB sometime this week or next weekend. I'm here until Tuesday morning, okay. and then I am coming back probably Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, great. Let's get together. All right, darling. All right, be well. Thank you. Okay, you too. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to... Episode 66 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast, and uh, we will be back again next week. The bumper music was It's Over by Martha Wainwright and Space Oddity by David Bowie. Thanks for listening. Ground control to Major Tom Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ground control to Major Tom Sing countdown engines on Three, two, check ignition One. and may God's love be with you.